of announcements. And if you were around last, all of last school year, you know we didn't have a ton to announce. So really exciting that we're able to do a lot of different events, a lot of different new things, bringing back some old things. It's going to be a really fun year, and I'm really excited to be here with you all as we start that year. Um, one thing that we are doing, obviously, you're here, you know that, is SM Nights. We're continuing on. We really liked the size of the group that we have here. We liked all of us being together and getting to, to grow our faiths and dive into God's word together. I love being out under the tent. And so I'm really excited. And one thing, like you saw in Brett's announcements that we're going to be doing this year are those family nights. And when you hear family night, you're immediately like, one, probably how I would have been if when I was in middle school or high school, like, I'm not coming to anything with my family, not in public, that's crazy. Or you go the other way, and you're like, oh, like, what if my family, like, some, I know some of our families don't come on Sundays, or you do online, or they don't feel comfortable coming or whatever, so definitely don't feel pressured to come to that, but if you want to help out at that, that's another great way to be there without having to feel like you're just sitting there like all these people are old or little kids. Um, so volunteering, that's a great spot for that as well. Just want a little shameless plug. Uh, before we get in. But like I said, really excited about SM Nights this year. Um, we, the way we structured them is uh, a little different. So obviously we're on Thursdays, we're all together. And one of the things I really wanted to do was to have a few in a row and then kind of take a break with that family night on the first of every month. So our schedule, we have three SM Nights in a row here to kick off September. And then we'll take that first week of October off and we'll have that family night. So if you want to come out and help or just attend that, that would be awesome. Or we're not going to have an SM night that week if, if that's all you're in for. But with that, I'm trying to schedule it out so we're in three-week, four-week increments so that we can package some series together, uh, not just following along with what's going on on Sunday morning, which is great. And if you already come on Sunday, now you're not hearing that again. But we're kind of diving into some topics that I think are a little bit different, a little bit more what maybe we want to be talking about, or at least what I think we should be talking about. And so I'm really excited to start our first series of the year, which is called Navigate. And as we are looking at navigation here, we're looking at God's direction through God's world. And how we're framing this, this series, Navigate, how we're looking at how God's direction helps us and guides us through His world is we're going to be looking at it through three different questions. Three different questions that all come from Scripture where God is either asking a question of man or man is asking a question of God. And we're going to look at these three questions, and I think they're really interesting. They're very simple questions, but they're, they're really interesting when you look at how they were being used in the context of, of Scripture. And then that navigation piece comes with how we can take that information and use it to help us answer that same question in our own lives or maybe even ask that question in our own lives. Uh, there's a really smart guy. Um, he was uh, the main pastor here for a long time and uh, his name was Dick Woodward and he wrote this book called Spiritual Compass and that's kind of, he kind of outlines eight big questions and rather than have an eight-week series that stretches the whole two months and then it's like, what did we talk about eight weeks ago? I took three of those questions, and we're kind of going to dive deep into those here. But Dick used to say, he had this saying, he said, the Bible tells us like it was so that we can know how it is. And so as we look at these three questions 
Um, I'm really excited to dive in and see how we can better navigate using God as, as a directional beacon and not other things of the world, other things that get us off track. Because we are all called by God somewhere, but we aren't, maybe we're not listening, maybe we're not even asking him for directions how to navigate to that place. Uh, and as we're thinking, thinking about navigation, as we're thinking about directions, uh, the, something popped immediately into my mind. So a lot of you know this, my freshman year of college, I went to Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech, about a four-hour drive for, if you're fast, four and a half if you go the speed limit uh, to the west. Uh, but straight shot uh, through Virginia, you get to Blacksburg, to Virginia Tech. And when I was a freshman at Virginia Tech, I wanted to go on a trip for spring break. I wanted to do mission work, and so I, w I wanted to go to Nicaragua. And I signed up through the Chapel's uh, College Nicaragua trip. And because I'd grown up here, I knew Evan, was, Evan, who was running college ministry at the time, signed up. So my mom is coming to Virginia Tech to pick me up, to drive me back, to get on a bus, to drive me to the airport, to get on an airplane, to fly to Nicaragua. It's a lot of tra transportation in one small window of time. So she's coming up to get me. She calls me. Hey, I'm leaving. She'll be there in four, four and a half hours. Great. I'll pack. I'll be ready for you to get here. About three Three and a half hours go by. I call my mom, just, hey, just wanted to check, see how things are going. Um, are you still planning to be here in about an hour? Uh, if not, I'm going to run out and get some lunch, blah, 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 blah. And she says, yeah, yeah, we're all looking good. Um, and then she goes, she pauses for a second, and then she goes, am I supposed to be in North Carolina? And I was like, mom, you, we live in Virginia. Virginia Tech is in Virginia there is a straight line between those two places. Why are you south an hour in North Carolina? I said, Mom, where are you? And she said, I've been in North Carolina now for a little bit. And so at some point where there are three roads you need to get to from our house, you need three turns to get from our house to Blacksburg's campus, or Virginia Tech's campus in Blacksburg. And somehow between those three turns, she ended up an hour and a half south of wherever the heck we were, we were. And I asked my mom, where are you? And she was like, she knew where she was, but she also knew that she was in the wrong place. She didn't know how she got there. And the story that we are gonna look at tonight where this question that we're gonna ask ourselves, where are you, comes from, is in Genesis chapter three, all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. And in Genesis chapter three, a lot of you know this, it depicts the fall of man, right? Genesis 1 and 2, creation story. God, God creates all the things of the earth. He creates Adam. He creates Eve. And they are in the garden. And then that's where we pick up in Genesis chapter 3. Verse 1 starts and says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, that's Eve, Did God actually say you, with a weird parenthetical note in there, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. 
Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. I blank, sorry. Presence of the Lord God among the trees. I was like, I'm missing a line. Among the trees of the garden. They hid among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and then I hid myself. So as we're looking at this passage here, God asking Adam and Eve, where are you? What are what is the reason, one of them is, is laid out pretty obviously in, in the passage, in the text there. What is the reason someone might ask someone else, where are you? Like if I was asking you where you are, where are you? Why would I be doing that? Okay, let's think of a word that doesn't use the words that are in the question. You don't know where I am. If I'm asking you where you are, Isaac, and I don't know where you are, what is it that you are doing to avoid me? Yes, there it is. So if someone's asking where you are, you are either hiding, right? You don't want to be found. Or what? Think story of my mom, right? Yes, lost. You're either hiding or you are lost. And so let's start with hiding because that's what Adam and Eve were doing. And when we hide, there's kind of two questions about hiding from God that I want to ask. Why do we hide? And then where do we hide? So looking at why do we hide, in verse, uh, I kind of got three, can you go to the next slide? Why do we hide? There's kind of three big reasons that we see in Genesis chapter three about why Adam and Eve are hiding that apply to us as well. We hide because we feel ashamed, right? Adam and Eve, in verse seven and eight, it says, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves loincloths and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden and they hid themselves from his presence. They did a thing. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They weren't supposed to do that. They did something and they were ashamed of what they had done and they hid from God. In our lives, we've all done something that we probably feel a little ashamed of. We probably have done something that has caused us to move away from God, that we, have, we feel like maybe even coming to this on Thursday, maybe showing up on church, maybe opening the Bible, we feel ashamed of what we've done, and maybe it's just better if we just hide from God and we're not around him anymore. We hide from God when we feel shame. We also hide from God when we're afraid, right? When we're afraid in verse 10, when, when uh, after God asked, where, where are you? Adam says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. Because of the thing I did, I was afraid of the consequences. I know that what I did now was wrong. I know that I was not supposed to do that. I know I ended up in a place where I was not supposed to be. And I know that there are consequences for my actions. And rather than face those consequences, I'm gonna hide. I'm just not going to ever face them for as long as I can. I'm going to get the heck out of here and see how long that is going to work for me. I'm going to hide from God because I'm afraid of what the repercussions for my actions are going to be. 
And we also end up hiding from God because of bad direction, because of lies, right? What's tr what triggers this whole moment in the beginning of Genesis? The serpent is, convinces the woman to eat from the tree that she knows she's not supposed to. Adam doesn't even need any convincing. She hands him the fruit. And he's like, okay, nom, nom, nom. Like they have done this thing based off of a lie, based off of a deception, based off of bad directions. They ended up not in the place that God wanted them to be in. They ended up in the wrong place. They ended up hiding in the trees. So why do we hide from God? We hide because of bad directions and lies. We hide from shame. We hide out of fear. The next thing to identify is not just the why, but the where we hide from God. And I think this is the one, like we're not hiding in the trees like Adam and Eve. We're not already in the garden. We're not just hiding behind a tree and hoping that God can't find us. You know, if I, if I don't move, he won't be able to see me. Like that's not how we hide from God. We hide in a more creative way. We hide in our schedules, right? We just get really busy with other stuff. We think, well, if God cared about what I've done, right? If God wanted me to come back to church, to crack my Bible, to seek him out, if he cared, it would be easier to find time to open up my Bible, to prioritize small groups, to prioritize church. Wouldn't I want to do it if God cared about me? This other stuff that I'm doing is also important, right? I got, I got to study for the test, that's important. I, I'm playing sports, practice is important. I gotta play video games online, that's very important. Like the list of things that we make and prioritize above in an attempt to hide from God just grows and grows and grows. We think, I've got time later on in life to seek out God. I can hide from him now in my schedule. We don't just hide in our schedules, we hide in our anxieties. We think to ourselves, if God cared about me, if he wanted me to come back to him, where are my blessings, God? My life would be better. It wouldn't be so hard. I wouldn't be all of these things that I'm feeling right now. I wouldn't be depressed. I wouldn't be anxious, angry, sad, afraid, all the things I listed out earlier. I tried, but God left me. Maybe you're thinking, God was never with me. I never felt him with me. And because of that, I'm just going to hide in my sadness. I'm going to hide in my pain, in my anxiety. We hide behind these feelings that we're feeling rather than seeking out maybe what's causing them, maybe what's the root of this pain, and maybe seeing how God could, could uh, heal that pain. We hide in our schedule, anxiety, and we hide in our self-worth, self right? If God cared, I would be a better version of myself. This, I can't be created in the image of God like it says just a few uh, verses before the section we just read. That can't be right. My identity in Christ? No, that's not who I am. I am Nick. I am uh, uh, an athlete, a straight A student. I am a screw up. I am a mistake. We, they're not all positive, the things we hide behind. We hide behind this idea of our self-worth is tied up in something else, anything else than Jesus. And we hide in the world, right? We let anything and everything other than Jesus be the voice that leads us, be the thing that's directing us. We let everything and anything find us when we are lost, when we are hiding. We let that find us rather than God. We let anything and everything lie to us because something that's pretty good right now 
is good right now, why would I wait for something to be perfect later on? God's talking about perfection, but he's talking about it with a lot of work involved. Satan is talking about something pretty good in an immediate gratification, but what, you're, what we're not hearing in those lies, in those bad directions, are the consequences, right? The, the consequences that we fear when we know we've done the wrong thing and we hide from God. By hiding from God, even if we didn't start out lost, we end up losing ourselves. Even if we didn't start out lost, by hiding from God, we end up losing ourselves. And uh, in, in this book where, where I was reading, um, where Dick is diving into these, uh, these questions, uh, he talked about how a friend of his was a Navy pilot. And pilots, they're flying very fast. Uh, they don't have a lot of time to me be messing around with being lost. And when they get lost, there's a, there's a checklist that they have to go through. And the first thing you have to do when you get lost as a pilot is you have to confess that you are lost. You can't pretend like you can figure it out. You can't be like, I think it's a left turn here. Like, no, you, you're, waste, you're flying a multi-million dollar airplane. You, you can't waste fuel and time flying around trying to figure it out. You have to confess that you're lost. And we, too, have to confess that we're lost. Right? Adam and Eve, they hide, and it only takes a verse for after God asks, where are you, for them to come out and be like, we were hiding. I was afraid. I'm sorry. They confess. We have to confess that we are lost. The second thing you have to do, once you've admitted to yourself and to somebody else, you have to admit it to somebody else, right? We have to communicate. We have to communicate with God, right? The Bible is not just words on paper. It's God's words for us. It's God's answers. It's God's direction, right? The Bible has a lot of things in it that can apply to our lives, right? It's, it's how it was, telling us how it was to show us like it is now. Communicating with God can look like finding his voice in scripture. It can look like communicating with God. It can look like communicating with a community, right? We don't have small groups because we think it's like a happy, good, fun time. It is. But the reason we're here is to build a community of other people, other people who are trying to build their faiths up, to give you a place for accountability, other people who are going through and feeling similar things that we are going through and feeling. You have, we have to communicate with each other. We have to admit that we are lost because there's probably someone who's been down the same road that you have been down before who maybe could help you. We have to communicate with God, with a community, and with a mentor, right? It could be a leader. It could be another adult in your life, someone who God might be using to help navigate you back towards him, and finally, after we've confessed we're lost, after we've communicated with God, with our, our small group, with our accountability group, with our mentor, with anybody who God could be speaking to us through, we've got to comply. We've got to do what they say. We've got to be looking for how God is going to say it, right? So often we read these stories in the Bible and God is walking through the garden and he's looking, he's, where are you, Adam and Eve? Where are you? That's not how God is going to speak to us. He's going to speak to us through your leader. He's going to speak to us from someone in your group who's gone through something similar that, as you. He's going to speak to you through a, a word in the Bible that you can apply to your life. That's how he is going to answer. That's how he's going to ask you, where are you? And to answer that question, where are you, right? 
to get back to God, we've got to do something, right? There's an action on our part. We, we are not in the garden. We are not Adam and Eve. God is not going to come walking, just come walking to us. We need to seek Jesus because he asked where we are, right? If God is asking, where are you? We, in turn, should be asking a question that the wise men asked in Matthew 2. Where is he, right? Everywhere in our lives, we should be walking around thinking, where is Jesus in this moment? Beginning of Matthew chapter 2, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? The wise men didn't wait for Jesus to grow up and walk to them and ask where they were. They came to find him. They asked, where is he? And so when we think about being lost, when we think about hiding ourselves and ending up lost anyway... We need to confess that we are lost. We need to establish communication with Jesus, and we need to comply when he communicates with us. God asked Adam and Eve, where are you? I'm asking you in this talk, where are you? I want you to ask yourselves, where am I? But in order to navigate our way back to Jesus, we need to ask, where is he? When we hide from God, we lose ourselves, but the beautiful thing about Jesus is that while we feel lost, he knows where we are. He's waiting for us to come look for him. He's waiting to present himself to us. He wants to help us navigate our way back to him. Don't wait for God to ask, where are you? Start thinking, where is he? That's what I want to talk about tonight in small groups. Uh, so I'm going to pray for us. And then Alana will dismiss groups because I know it's hot. I know it's humid. So we have an inside option or if you want to stay outside, you can circle up out here, wherever you want. But uh, let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity here tonight to gather, to grow in our face, to seek you out. God, we know you walk and you ask, where are you? You ask where we are. And God, I hope that tonight you can put a little bit on our hearts, the desire, the propulsion to start asking, to start thinking, where is he not just on Thursday nights, not just on Sunday mornings, but in every moment, in every situation we encounter because we know that there are ample opportunities to get lied to. We know that there are ample opportunities to get bad directions that will lead us to shame, that will lead us to fear. And we know that you are the only thing that we should be seeking, the only thing that we should be navigating towards. God, we love you and we praise you and ask that you are with each and every student, each and every leader here tonight. God, I love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.